Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to present the Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. He's coming home. He's coming home. He's coming. Loki's coming home. He's coming home. He's coming home. He's coming. Loki's coming home. He's coming home. Three Loki's on a shirt. Me on ears still gleaming. Approximately fifteen hundred years of hurt. He's coming home. Never stopped him dreaming. Home. Home. Ready? It is coming home. Is it? We did it, folks. We did it, folks. And we didn't just do it in one country. We did it in two. Oh, my word. Transatlantic. Well, not transatlantic. Trans channel. Trans channel? <laughs> sure. Okay, let's go for that. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the penultimate Loki <gasps> spoiler special. Oh. No. 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 Hooray. No. Mm, bad. This one. Episode 5 is entitled Journey into Mystery. A nice nod, of course, to Loki's comic book origins. It's written by one Tom Kaufman. It's directed, as ever, by Kate Heron and brings our heroes one step closer to unmasking the timekeepers or the timekeeper or the nefarious nitwit behind all this TVA nonsense. Although, should you really unmask the timekeepers, I mean, perhaps they're wearing a mask just in order to keep others from being infected. I mean, it's a mild inconvenience having to wear a mask for a bit. <laughs> Makes your face hot and sticky. Hard to breathe on the tube, uh, the, the, the time tube. But it really is for the benefit of others. So perhaps Loki should bear that in mind and maybe keep assistance. Socially speaking, that is. Anyway, where was I? Yes, uh, joining me to talk about this episode are three colleagues of such lethal cunning. We're joined, of course, by GBFN, James Dyer. Hello, Christopher. I've just touched down in my Thanos copter, <laughs> just in time for the podcast. Where are you? I am actually in our office, in our old pod studio, alone. I am the only person <laughs> in the actual Empire pod studio. This is amazing. You were you were foreshadowing because we we should be all all going well, all being well. Um, we can argue you know, until the cows come home about whether all the restrictions should be lifted, but mm. they will be lifted by July 19th, and we should be back in the studio uh, in that week. So i got to be honest. It's exciting. It's a proper mess. <laughs> Genuinely. I think there have been squatters in here. It's, it's just, it's, it's, there's like cans of things and stuff, and the microphones seem to be broken. And Is there an alligator with, with wearing a pair of horns? What's, funny you what's happening? that. Yeah, I, I believe the office is known as The Void, and it's where the TVA sends all of the crap that it blasts yeah. out of the timeline. It has to be said, I've asked Ali off to keep it down during the, the record, but I can promise nothing. He's large and smoky and, you know, bilious. Yes. Mm. The other voice you just heard there was, of course... Ben Travis. Hello, Ben. Hello. I am not in Camden. I'm in my bedroom. That is a copy of Lord's Melodrama <laughs> and Christine and the Queen's Levita Nova behind me. Uh, but I don't normally record podcasts oh, wow. in here, so maybe I sound a bit different this week. Too. I feel like we all are going to sound yes. like variants of ourselves because James is in Camden. Except yeah. for me. Well, you're in your regular place. Mm. On time. Hey. Yeah. Uh, speaking of someone who's going to sound slightly different this week, uh, our last but not least, we are joined, of course, by our geek queen, Helen O'Hara who is broadcasting today all the way from the void itself, or should I say, Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival, which, which Helen makes you a colleague of such lethal canning. 
Exciting. Yes. Bonjour, tout le monde. Je suis là. Bonjour, Hélène. Bonjour. Uh, so, um, j'aime cette série uh, qui uh, s'appelle Loki. Uh, 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 Je comprends pas. L'acteur uh, qui uh, s'appelle Tom Hiddleston est magnifique. Magnifique, Hélène. Magnifique, Loki. See, I was going to say that Helen being in France was just a nod to uh, Tiny Thor Frog, but uh, I thought that'd be offensive to French people. But after what you've just done, Chris, I realized that... <laughs> It's completely fine. A year and a half of Duolingo has brought me to this point where I could I could blend in seamlessly. With any luck, I've got the grail already. Look, it's not Duolingo's fault. We'd like to make that clear if they want to advertise with us. I have no idea what I just said, by the way. <laughs> no, n- neither do I, honestly. Um, but no, I'm I am in I'm I'm in France. I'm seeing some films, obviously at the Cannes Film Festival, and uh, I look forward to making as most of this week as possible. Since next week, I will be locked in my tiny flat. Um, so yeah, you know, got to have my fun while I can. I feel like it evens out. I don't think people should be jealous, is what I'm saying. No. Uh, no. It, Helen's in a very, very small room at the moment, but it looks cool. looks chic. It chic, is, yeah. It's really chic. Chic. I have a sort of disco bathroom with shiny tiles. It's very wow. fun. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Uh, that's very magnifique. Exciting. Yes. Oh, see, James is already better at French than me. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I've invested a year and a half of Duolingo. Damn it. He had a very uh, expensive education. <laughs> yes. Uh, apologies to our French listener. <laughs> who has now, <laughs> yes, who has now thrown their uh, iPhone in disgust into the sin. Uh, anyway, we don't have a lot of time this week because Helen has to go and do canned stuff and I have to go and do some other stuff. Uh, that will remain private and confidential. I'd like to thank you not to pry into my private affairs. But uh, we don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to dispense with the recap this week and we're just going to talk about this episode. We're just going to chat about it like four people who pretend they like each other. So uh, what do we think of this episode folks it was as predicted absolutely batshit like i kind of think that we all knew this was coming at the end of the last i mean ben and i weren't here for last week's spoiler special so we haven't even got into the the genius that was episode previous which four. was the number the couple four. 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 Yes. Four. that's the one it's been a long time but going into that like that post-credit sequence you're like okay this is going to be the completely crazy batchet one that sets up the finale and i've got to be honest it didn't disappoint we had thanos copters we had frog thor we had a great big cloud of smoke basically everything you need and cannibals who can forget the cannibals <laughs> we had a pizza car pizza we had car turn of mobius we had we had bonding we had genuine emotion conspiracy we had, theories yeah we had hiddleston playing you know dual roles and and reveling in Yep, <laughs> dual lucky, uh, and yeah, it was it was a, a cracking ep for me. I, th- I think I slightly preferred last week's, but uh, this week was yeah. very satisfying. I thought. Yeah, I'm with you. I think last week's um, just had that extra oomph to it for me. Obviously, it wasn't on last week's pod to shout about the space lizards. We got the best of both worlds. We got space lizards, <laughs> and we also got the better plot. In which, in the case that it's the space lizards aren't the TVA, we got both it's like the end of the last jedi it gives you what you want and what you need at the same time (laughs) continuing to bang that drum but this episode i thought was still loads of fun and like having all these different loki variants from the beginning having this tease of oh how many variants are we going to see and having them all kind of clash together in this one Mm. with a giant smoky beast on a crazy apocalyptic planet and all these fun little gags and moments oh is i just love the feeling of this show and WandaVision and how kind of creatively bonkers they feel they can be in a way that still feels really coherent and is telling quite a tight story, Mm. but pulling in all of these crazy elements that I think even a couple of years ago, you never would have imagined they'd be able to kind of port across from the comics into something live action, but they're they're doing it. Yes. Eliath the Usurper, uh, basically a giant sentient cloud, uh, you know, and you, you just introduce that and everyone kind of goes with it. And Loki, mm. even even when Loki's talking about the alligator Loki, he's like, I am I am saddened to discover, I'm paraphrasing here because I've, I've only seen the episode twice, uh, I didn't write down everything, but I am saddened to discover that I am not shocked by that. And <laughs> that was the best Hiddleston I, moment yeah, of this entire that. series for me. His delivery of that line, I think, is my favourite bit of Hiddleston in this whole show so far. I like that. I like the don't die isn't a plan. It's a general demand of living. That whole thing. Let's stop so I can ask you a thousand questions. He was on absolutely top form. Um, he was. Has to be said, Smoky Beast, Eliath, not Alioth as I called him earlier, but Eliath, uh, of course, being tied to Kang the Conqueror as well, because he's the he's the big temporal entity who's locked in an eternal struggle with Tempest, which is another immortal thing. So yeah, well, it's all, well, it's all tied into that. the law. Yes. Of course we mm. did. Of course, of course we did. We all know about uh, the fact that he's been created from the fabric of limbo by Immortus, the gardener of time. 
Have you asked Miss Minutes or did you just Google this? I asked Miss Minutes. <laughs> How long did it take for her to find the file? Because she was stalling for time. Well, she was definitely playing for time. Definitely yeah. playing. She's proper dodge Miss Minutes is. Oh, yeah, you think, for sure. You think she's well dodged? You think she's in yeah, it with, uh, with Kang? Like, right, there's no way to get there. No, but what about the special spaceship? Yes, <laughs> the special super secret spaceship that I will now look up for you. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Stall for time, stall for time, Miss Minutes, stall for time. Um, I'm going to quibble with you, Ben. I think that this moment has my favourite Tom Hiddleston uh, moment, perhaps, in the entire MCU. Uh, and it is the moment when President Loki, as he is credited, mm. uh, has his hand bitten off by Alligator Loki. <laughs> and he, the, the shriek of, of, of outrage and pain it's amazing. is absolute. I, I want that as my ringtone. <laughs> but, You're a monster. But, can you believe the sentence that you just said when President Loki got his hand bitten off by Alligator? <laughs> Loki in the void like what world we're in How this is amazing yeah. it is amazing that we've got to this point now where like Loki none of this stuff surprises us by this point it seems it seems right I mean I, I loved that this episode solved a, a certain number of things that I was kind of worried about the pacing of the show so it wasn't so much when we talked about it last week it was literally like I was out running to, this morning and I was thinking I don't know if we have time for a whole campaign I don't know if our Loki has time mm. to start a vote Loki campaign I feel like that would be a distraction and like ah. And then, uh, you know, literally, what, two minutes into the show, they answer my complaint and are like, oh, no, it's totally different Loki. I'm like, brilliant. You know, it does feel like we're Mm. building. It feels like it has a pace. It feels like things are coming together. And that's really satisfying. And I think it feels like uh, for years now, I think generally Disney has been really good, especially with its with its Star Wars and Marvel trailers, where a lot of the time they'll kind of show you things that feel like spoilers or feel like big things, but that you see them sort of out of context and the context you create in your head before you see it is much different to what you actually get. I feel like we got that with a lot of things like the, yeah, the recent Star Wars trailers. And I think we all thought like, Helen, well, what's this like vote for Loki plot going to be? It feels like a big thing when you see it in the trailer, but obviously they can show you this other version of Loki and you don't know that that's mm. going to be a variant when you just see the trailer. Mm. Um, so I really like how they've kind of seeded out different moments that you're sort of expecting, but then the show subverts them when you get around to them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought it was tremendous. I thought it, it gave Hiddleston a chance to really get his teeth into a character who was fairly similar to the Loki we saw in Thor and the Avengers uh, which is kind of what this Loki was meant to be, but he in, in just a few days or however long, because he, he doesn't even know how long he's been at the TVA now, which is, uh, I thought, another lovely little touch. Uh, basically, that little monologue he has with the other Lokis early on is saying all the things that we've been saying over the last few weeks. Like how much time has passed? How 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 where is he of that time passing? Mm. But it just shows how different this Loki, our Loki, hero Loki is. There's words I didn't expect to say either. Uh, Hero Loki is from that previous Loki, from President Loki, who's much more Machiavellian and, and scheming. And this whole episode is about that. It's about showing how far our Loki has come uh, from all the other Lokis. And you know, one of the central themes of the show is, is can you change? Can you be redeemed? Can you overcome destiny? And can you overcome what appears to be your character that's been locked in? And we even see that in microcosm. In classic Loki, in this episode, you have classic Loki and you have kid Loki talking about how, you know, Lokis can never change. And every time they do try and change, something goes wrong. And classic Loki, who I think pretty much definitively wipes out the idea that he is the the the, the puppet master, maybe. Helen's I still, still, have, still, a, not I still sure. have a niggle, that's all. Just Helen's a niggle. still not sure. Mm. Um, but, uh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But classic Loki certainly seems to cram that arc into into one episode in particular. He goes full Han Solo in this episode. I think it's really interesting that now, you know, we feel like this is, you mentioned him as our Loki, like he is now our Loki. And when we started this series, he was very much not our Loki. He was old Loki. And I think we'd all come such a long way with Loki, especially through the events of Ragnarok and going into Infinity War. Like we felt that was our Loki. You go back to Avengers and that wasn't our Loki. But the amount of growth he has done during the course of this show, he's now in a more interesting place than ever old our Loki was. Uh, <laughs> this is confusing. So, yes, I know. This is, I'm, I'm trying to stay on to, you know, the, the, the sacred timeline while we do this. But um, <laughs> but genuinely, like, it, like now, 
Loki to me now is a far more interesting layered character than he actually was before because we've been on this journey with him and he's come so far and not only has he had the much promised thank you Ben power glow up that was predicted early on in this show mm -hmm. since he can now enchant people but he's also a much more interesting character so what I'm saying is he better not fucking die at the end of the next episode I mean I, I feel attached to many of these Lokis as well like I, I agree that Tom this version of Tom Hiddleston's Loki feels like our Loki at the same time Sylvie feels like such a distinct and great character mm -hmm. That, that feels like a Loki I'm attached to and want to stay around in this universe for a while. And thinking that they seem to be moving towards a Young Avengers situation and that Kid Loki would most mm. likely be a part of that, I found myself gravitating towards him in this episode as well and thinking, I... I think if you'd asked me before this show, do you want a, an MCU in which there are literally three different Lokis running around? And I would have thought, oh, no, that sounds like a bit much and kind of messy. Whereas actually, mm. I, I, that is what I want now. I want all three of those characters still on the board by the end. Yeah. Or possibly even four Lokis. I mean, alligator uh, well, Loki. Right, the gator. We don't want yes. to lose the gator, definitely. We don't want to lose the gator. By the way, Ben, the, the alligator Loki is the very definition of a space lizard. So you have yes. been given... Oh, it's a god lizard in space. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a god of space lizard. That's what that's what it is. But the story, the classic Loki that Richard E. Grant, that Reg tells uh, our Loki hmm. about how the events of of Infinity War happened to him, but he conjured up an illusion that was so convincing that even Thanos couldn't tell, or Thanos, as all the Brits pronounce it this week. So I'm fully on board with that. That's how I pronounced yeah, it from the yeah. beginning, and that is now canon. So Thanos. Even Thanos couldn't tell. And then he just floated away. Again, like Han Solo in, mm. in Minster Debris. <laughs> he, yes. did, he did the full Han Solo thing this week where he was like, you know, I'm going to bring you as far as I'm going to bring you there and go no further. Then I'm going to go away. And then I changed my mind and I'm going to come back and save the day. But that, that got me thinking, is that a way of almost setting up that Loki did mm -hmm. that in Infinity War? I mean, yeah, we talked about that in one of our many, 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 many spoiler specials on Infinity War and Endgame, that like with Loki, you cannot trust that it was definitely 100% definitely him that definitely died. And so this does kind of hint that, you know, it does support that thesis. It, it leaves that door ajar, I think, for, um, for Marvel. I hope not. I want him to be dead now because I don't <laughs> want old Loki back. I want new Loki. But maybe it would be, you know, new Loki who would then, well, new old... Look, maybe it would be this Loki who would then kind of pretend to have done that for a start, or maybe it's this Loki who gets restored. To the t uh, look, yeah, I, don't I know. think they'll bring down the TVA, so then there is no, you know, sacred timeline. Then he can jump back in, and then Loki is restored, and all is well with the world. And jump back into where though? Where would he jump back into? I mean. 2019, is that what you're saying? Whatever phase four film you particularly choose, you want to parachute him into, I'll take any of them. Mm, Let's just parachute him into one of the crappy phase one movies. We should you know, parachute him into the Incredible <laughs> Hulk or Iron Man 2 and, you know, and shake things up a little I bit. I mean, it could certainly only improve them. As someone who rewatched Incredible Hulk on the weekend, uh, 100%, yeah. it needs a Loki. And don't you come after Ant-Man and the Wasp, I swear to God. I'll, Absolutely, I'll, that I'll needs to improve as well. Fuck you Still up. bad. Replace don't do Sonny it. Birch. Don't you don't no, don't you do it. Don't you do Still it. Bad. Uh you could drop Sonny Birch into Incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2, and now we are talking. I mean about why the hell is he there and why do we care? <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> The whole thing's a Sonny Birch story. Helen, let's hear your theory about Reg. Well, I mean, theory is a very strong word for the way I'm currently feeling, but um the, the reason yeah, I, I had the same reaction to a lot of what he said. I thought, oh well, he sounds like a super uh, you know do good dude. And obviously he came in at the last moment with the super duper powers and seemed to save the day. The only reason I'm still suspicious is that a lot of his thinking actually kind of backs up my theory last week. So a lot of his stuff about wherever Lokis go, we cause mm -hmm. trouble. And therefore mm -hmm. I realized that the only way to not cause trouble was to absent myself from the world. And now we have a situation where Lokis are being absented from worlds to keep them from causing trouble. So it would seem to be in line with his philosophy for all these Lokis to be ending up at the end of time, very Doctor Who style, to keep them from causing trouble anywhere that could actually, you know, matter. And even saving them at the end, in that respect, if that were that were true, that could be just a way of him, you know, if, if the big stormy monster thing is a portal, then they all basically end up in the same place together. So hmm. he can still you know, reveal himself as the man behind the curtain, or he can still deal with whatever threat they pose. But yeah, that, that I did think to by uh, halfway through the episode, especially when Renslayer starts explaining about the void at the end of time, mm -hmm. and you know how basically this is a a an amped up 
version of what Sylvie did, which is hide inside somewhere where you, you can't affect the, the, the temporal flow and therefore no one will ever detect you. And I thought, oh, that's Reg, isn't it? Reg is hiding here as, you know, as has been surmised, as we talked about in last week's episode, that might be the possibility. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm bumping, I'm bumping my head know, on the fact that seems, A, he seems yeah. to be dead. And yeah. B, mm. <laughs> and B, why would he help? Why would he help? Why, 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 why would he help? Why would he help? Maybe it's, it's an ultimate way to like, so leaving my earlier cynical, cynical theory aside, if he is as good as he seems, this is a way to prove it. This is a way to overcome Loki's destiny. If Loki's always survive and he gives up his life to save other Lokis, that's an example that other Lokis can follow and they can, you know, they can not always be the survivor. They can sometimes sacrifice themselves for the greater good. The greater good. Thank you. I mean, only one person. Come on. <laughs> I know. Yeah, sorry, That's Helen. kind of how I saw it as well of him basically breaking his loop. I mean, I thought there was a lot of mm. kind of pathos and emotion in the fact of, oh, I, I am a Loki who survived Thanos. And then what did I do with that life that I kept for myself? I just like sat alone and did, could do nothing. And in this moment, he has a chance to do something to literally save himself and allow himself to choose a different path. Mm. So I, I thought... It didn't really cross my mind that he could be playing them in that way. Um, and I thought it was interesting to have, yeah, this older Loki it, that kind of posits the question, well, if if Loki hadn't, if our Loki, the original our Loki, hadn't died in Infinity War, then he might have just ended up in a similar fate, just like just hanging around at the arse end of the galaxy on his own, doing nothing um, and, and unable mm. to kind of connect with or do anything, which is sort of a horrible fate. See, it doesn't feel like Loki to me. I know they talk about this. Like Loki doesn't strike me as someone who could survive on his own. Like he needs an audience. He plays to the crowd. Like he needs people to, you know, in, to to take in his glorious purpose. Uh, yeah, I don't see him sitting there playing solitaire for decades on a but, planet. But then, you know, if the whole point of the of his character is that he has overcome his glorious purpose, that he has gotten past this delusion that he matters to that extent then maybe that changes. Maybe character growth is possible even for a Loki. Maybe. I mean, it's interesting as well that he's not the boss of the Lokis. Mm. And I wondered about he? that. Or is he? Exactly. <laughs> so that's, that's another thing. Maybe he's just letting kid Loki be in charge to, you know, hide the fact that he's really a big bad. I don't know. But, um, but it's interesting that, that it is kid Loki who takes over and kid Loki who makes that shocking revelation. <gasps> killed Thor. What a prick. He killed Thor. What a dick. But like, Kid Thor. Yeah, so yeah it well, really, it like, I'm really just saying, even Thanos didn't do that. So, and That's he had true. the time stone, yeah. so he could have. So clearly, Kid Loki could beat Thanos in a fight. True. Well, maybe. <laughs> or maybe it was an accident. Maybe he just tripped Thor up and Thor fell down some stairs and slipped on some grapes and, and nuts and, 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 and then broke and his d- neck. Died for lack of chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That seems likely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's possibly what happened. I mean, we don't take what boastful Loki says at face value at all. Like he beat Captain America and Iron Man and then took all six Infinity Stones for himself. Uh, clearly, he's full of, uh, full of BS. Um, so, you know, do we take everything Kid Loki says at face value? Although he did seem to be telling the truth. He did seem to be he telling, did, telling did, the truth. Yeah. What if it's Alligator Loki who's the big bad? I would love that a, so a much. Super here for that, 100%. Again, that means it's space lizards all along behind everything, which is what I wanted <laughs> this whole time. I would like to see him go full Lake Placid on someone. That'd be great. <laughs> Only problem is, how does he give his big villain speech? Well, he'd need Richard E. Grant to translate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's clearly not dead. Like, you know, he got eaten by that thing. I need him to react to his death. Like, you know, Alioff, you terrible c- Wow. And I need to see some sort of <laughs> to go full with nail on the situation. That's something I that mean to have you, boy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it must be burglary. Yes. We all know the way that Alligator Loki would explain his grand plan is to prop President Loki's hand in his mouth and just write it out on a big whiteboard. <laughs> oh, clever. Very clever. Well, listen, if it is Alligator Loki who's behind it, we have roughly a week to get onto Duolingo and learn Space Lizards, so we are conversant with him when he reveals his big plan next week. But we don't have a lot of time, so let's talk about some of the stuff that the episode did really, really, really well. Um, I want to talk about the opening shot, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. there's something about the opening shot which is, you know, it's 
Kate Heron, it's the DP, Autumn Durald, it's it's Natalie Holt. Uh, Amon's not here this week, so I'm going to give a shout out <gasps> to Natalie Holt. Uh, because the, the that's what of the he Valkyries would do. bit mm. later yeah. on. Oh my God. Oh, Amazing. so good. I mean, the score is so good. Fog that's problematic, but let's gloss over that. Yeah. <laughs> what from X Factor? Uh, <laughs> and the um, that opening shot is so good, and it feels like a real kind of demonstration of what they can do on this level. And it also feels like the lines have blurred between MCU movies and MCU TV more than ever with this this show in particular. WandaVision had obviously lots of bells and whistles and special effects and stuff, but it was still rooted in that very, very small screen vista. Mm. Falcon and Winter Soldier sometimes looked cheap as chips. I'm not entirely sure that was their fault. They were pandemic But this show looks really, apart from, I'd say, some slightly inconsistent compositing you don't always believe that they're standing where they're meant to be standing Mm. the effects here are fantastic that opening shot was terrific yeah it really was absolutely stunning but more than anything else and i'm sure you guys mentioned this last week because it's certainly something that went into my mind when we saw the previous episode was like it's kind of put into perspective how rubbish falcon and the winter soldier was and like that's i mean it sounds harsh to say it and certainly as i've said before compared to a lot of the stuff on tv it's absolutely fine it's not terrible but you know put in a quality level with this and with wandavision it I mean it really is a little bit you know low ebb i think that's fair i mean this gives us this has given us everything in the relationships between loki and sylvie and the loki and and the, and the loki and the mobius mm. you know this has given us all that as i said before i've said this uh, almost ad infinitum but it's given us that relationship that we were meant to have with bucky and sam and we yeah. got it you know towards the end of that show but a bit. we certainly didn't get it mm. in that sort of slightly weak banter that he had in the first couple of episodes but yeah i love that shot but i also one of the things i think that the show does really really well is those moments of those long play-like discussions and you get those lovely moments of of character beats and and self-realization and the two moments i want to talk about specifically i want to talk about loki and sylvie's chat and i want to talk about loki saying goodbye to mobius there was no a hugs, hug no learning <laughs> look this isn't seinfeld honestly <laughs> nobody stands in front of a brick wall and says what's the deal with the tva i mean <laughs> <More than it's- laughs> um no, I, yeah, I think it's I think it's a more emotional episode than we've seen before. But what I love about this show, in particular, in contrast to Falcon and Winter Soldier, is just the coherence. It feels, mm. even though it's talking about stuff that makes you know very little logical sense, and is set in this crazy universe and has all these crazy characters, it feels like it, it knows what it is, and it mm. you know is emotionally, thematically consistent in a way that that you know, the last one wasn't. And I think that's what I'm just really enjoying. It feels like you're on a single ride and not being pulled in every single different direction. That's because this show is burdened with glorious purpose, where that was mm. burdened with unnecessary plot lines. You know, that <laughs> might be there might be something to that. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I, I think just on the Falcon Winter Soldier front, it's just throwing into light relief, throwing into relief for me that it didn't need the the flag smashers plot like this is uh, loki's mm. kind of sprawling but also really tying together and really getting to spend the time with the characters rather than build into these other plot lines and uh, I, I do just think the falcon and the winter soldier without the flag smashers plot line and just delving into the john walker stuff and the isaiah bradley stuff mm-hmm. would have been so much stronger Definitely. as a show because with mm-hmm. this one like chris said each episode, you have multiple scenes where it's just like, let's put a couple of characters in a room in a crazy sci-fi location, but let's just have them like talk and discuss things. Yes. I thought the sequence with him and Sylvie, where he does this smooth move with the blanket, mm. which she was right, it looks like a terrible blanket that wouldn't give you any warmth whatsoever, <laughs> was really sweet. And I'm like, I, I'm still torn over whether I want that to be a romance or not, because it's they're really nice together but also it is weird <laughs> ben self-loving is the best loving as we all know <laughs> it's the greatest love of all <laughs> it is. as rupaul says if you can't love yourself how the hell are you going to love anybody else <laughs> indeed indeed but you're absolutely right and i think it shows in this they have confidence both in the characters and in the mm. performance here to carry scenes just on personality alone and i kind of feel that you know sebastian stan and anthony mackie could have done that if they had a little more Easily. faith in them and a little yeah. more faith in those characters and a tighter script they could absolutely i mean remember when they're when they're just working the on boat. the boat like those are yeah. the character moments mm. just spend time hang out with these guys turn it into a hangout show for an episode absolutely mm. do that i think that that show showed a lack of confidence in those characters and that's why they threw everything including kitchen sinks and flag smashers at that script and turned it into a blamange of mm. shit 
Whereas here, I would be totally happy to see kitchen sink Loki from the universe where everyone is furniture. Because, you know, I'd be like, sure, that seems fine at this point. I'm like Loki at this point. Yeah, an alligator? Cool, I guess. Do that's it. fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's that, focus on this show rather than Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes, we don't have a lot of time. We have so other spoilers for that. That's, yes, indeed. Uh, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about Mobius first, and then we'll talk about Sylvie. So Mobius is alive. We all Hooray. suspected he was yes. going to be. We even included it in our little title song last week. Uh, but I was still very, very glad to see him. And he doesn't get a lot of screen time this week, Owen Wilson, but he's tremendous. He's super good. My uh, my only criticism of him being here and in it is, you know, have no other TVA agents survived? Could there not be a sort of, you know, he could go back with an army kind of a moment? Uh, I would have quite liked that. However, yeah, super, super good to see him. Um, great scene with Sylvie, where he's sort of recognising the lokiness in her. and And of course, you know, actual emotion when he met up with our Loki again. Oh, that line, thank you, my friends, and bringing it back to the the sort of conversations they had earlier in, in the series of you don't have friends um, was just super, super sweet. And that moment when he returns, when he rides in in a pizza car was just great. <laughs> it took me a while to kind of work out who was going to be in that car. I don't know why I didn't twig it straight away. Um, I also want to know what, like, what variant situation was happening that this pizza car ended up at the void. But yeah, I loved that entrance. And even though we get just a little bit of him in this episode, he's so good in it and he plays so well off Hiddleston. There's just any time. I hope there's some room in the finale for them to have some more stuff together because I I think they've still got quite a lot to do. And obviously he hasn't gone on to the big castle in the sky uh, whatever that is. And so I don't know quite how they bring Mobius back into it, but he's obviously got a lot of unanswered questions about the TVA as well. So I'm really hopeful that he can be part of that sort of finale. Well, I think whatever they're doing in the, as you call it, Castle in the Sky, which I like because, you know, Diana Wynne Jones and Miyazaki all together at last. Oh, I bought that book, Helen. I bought the hey. book. Haven't read it yet. But. Well, it's a start. Yeah. Whatever they end up doing in the sky, in the smoke monster, I feel like will ultimately bring them back to the TVA. I feel like we all have unfinished business there. And therefore there's a, there's a clear path to reuniting with his best buddy and for them to both go jet skiing together. Yes. Yeah. The only thing better than the pizza car would have been if it were jet ski. <laughs> oh God. If he'd come in on a jet ski, that would have been everything. But I think they're saving that for the final episode. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. It felt, I have to say it felt a little definitive for me that farewell no. it did didn't it oh no even the little line the you're my favorite line which i enjoyed a lot it felt like a final hug no yeah. don't say this i hope it's not a final hug it's, it certainly so. felt that i don't i don't know that loki our loki hero loki is going to i don't think that he feels he's walking away from this i think he is ready to make the sacrifice the sacrifice play all right mm. tony well, you know, we all have to take inspiration from the greatest character in the MCU, don't we? Mm. Actually, I mean, that was that was originally said by Steve to Tony. Damn it. So just pointing Damn it, it out. So. I've played myself. <laughs> <laughs> it feels to me a little bit as if we might be in a situation next week where this Loki feels that he might have to sacrifice himself no. again for something to happen. Absolutely not. Mustn't happen. Um, okay. <laughs> well, it's decided. I have spoken. <laughs> That's that. All right. I, I will inform Kevin Feige and Kate Heron <laughs> and the rest of the team. And guys, if that's in your if that's in your final episode, you have a week to change it. <laughs> Don't worry. James will not be happy. Honestly, though, no. if they did kill this version of Loki in the final episode, then I I mean, the chances of him coming back are so. How many times has he died and come back? That is entirely his thing. At some point, I I still wouldn't believe in my heart of hearts that it was the end of Hiddleston in the. MCU. MCU. Which is why I think that the classic Loki speech might come in mm-hmm. handy. Either for this Loki, who of course has done that before. He in, in Thor the Dark World, he presumably duplicate casts or illusion projects himself so convincingly that Thor thinks he's dead. His main power in that in that um in that moment was focus grouping. Uh so <laughs> where, where focus group went, hang on a second, you've killed Loki. We don't want Loki to die, and and lo and behold, he was miraculously resurrected. So that's basically what happened there. But I don't know. Here I we've talked about this right from episode one. Is this Hiddleston's Swan Song? And I don't think it is. But I also think that this Loki has evolved to the point where he could lay down on the wire 
and there wouldn't be a dry eye in the house. The only concern I have about that is, are we invested in what might happen with him and Sylvie later on? Or would the universe rebel against that? Or would that be too similar to what happened in Infinity War, where he basically did the same thing for Thor? Well, yeah, he's there's been quite a lot of self-sacrifice and quite a lot of resurrection. And I guess maybe one of the big things this show has explored is this idea that Loki's always survive. So as with Richard E. Grant in the good reading of his character, as opposed to my overly cynical one, <laughs> you you know, it would be thematically consistent it, that this one learns to die, that this one learns to self-sacrifice and not actually be kidding about it. I wonder in that case if we could trust that he hadn't done... Thank you. Uh, I wonder in that case that we, if we could trust that he hadn't done kind of what James was suggesting earlier, which is basically go to himself in 2019 and go cast a better illusion before <laughs> sacrificing himself. You know, there could be yeah. something tricky like that. It's not beyond the realm of possibility. What, like uh, Marty writing the letter for Doc Brown put in his exactly. pocket? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think it's um, it would rather be against the spirit of the, of the thing, but it would be, perhaps not be unthinkable. Because wouldn't that set him then on the road to become old Loki? And therefore, you know, have learned some stuff, potentially. I don't know. Possibly. Yeah, possibly. So I, d mm. I don't know what's most dramatically satisfying in the case of a character like this, who is endlessly tricksy, who has died a number of times already, who everybody loves. Mm -hmm. You know, what's the, what's the right answer here? I'm not sure. So what's the uh, what's the end game? Oh, and by the way, uh, just for people, I know, I know, uh, I wonder end game, drinking game. Uh, for the people who are listening at home, thank you so much for your questions. Um, I just wonder if we're a little bit too strapped for time this week to get to them because there's so many questions. So if the panel here are uh, are willing, we may be able to convene tomorrow or Friday to do a special listener questions only uh, episode. So in the meantime, you're, you're going to get us idiots banging on uh, relentlessly. So keep those questions coming and thank you so much for them. And we'll get to those in a perhaps a subsequent episode. There was one question I wanted to uh, address because it came up on my Twitter as well as yours, which was the uh -oh. question, I know, which was the question of, do we think that Owen Wilson, that Mobius could be a Loki variant wow. originally? Ooh. And could he be the big, big bad? Now, instantly, I reject the big bad scenario because I don't want that. Yeah. But no. could he be a Loki variant? I hate all of that. I don't want any of that. Um, I, I, I think having him be a Loki variant, then you get into this thing of, is everybody a Loki variant? And if everyone's a Loki variant, does it mean anything that they're all Loki variants? I think that's mm. a step too far from me. And I, and I can't imagine this Mobius being a baddie. I know. I'm I, no. like I've rejected that from day one. Is my problem, so I can't. No. I can't get past that. I don't think there's anything that suggests that Mobius is a bad guy. There's certainly nothing that suggests he's a lucky variant. If he is, he might be the weirdest one, even weirder than mm. the alligator, because he's he looks nothing like him, and he's American. I mean, all you've got in that case really is the fact that he is. Um, he's kind of tall, I guess, and he's very smart. Yes. And he's got, he's got, he's been developing Loki-esque aspects. But as we said last week, Loki is developing Mobius-esque mm. aspects. It's, it, I don't think he's a variant. What I, you have brought up an interesting point that someone did send into us last week, which was that they pointed out that everyone else we've seen be captured by, or pretty much everyone else we've seen be captured as a variant by the TVA have been men with long, dark hair. So the guy, the Goldman Sachs bloke yeah. in the first episode and last week, or was it the week before? Yeah, it was last week whenever Sylvie, or was it the week before? Whenever there was young Sylvie. Was that last week? Start I can't remember. Everything's blending into one. Okay, thank you. Young Sylvie, played by Judith from The Walking Dead. Oh, that's right, because Jimbo wasn't here to, to, to bang on about how it was Judith from The Walking Dead. And, uh, and uh, so when we see young Sylvie and when she goes to the TVA for the first time, there's another bloke being brought in. Mm -hmm. Bloke long dark hair so is there something in is it just that? Loki? you're saying that he's a bloke but he's a blokey potentially that these are <laughs> i mean it would feed into the whole like insane narcissism of of loki and if yes. if a loki is behind it and he's created this entire sort of timeline snipping organization to eradicate all other loki's from multiple timelines that would speak to the insane kind of narcissism at the heart of that character that they've spoken about a lot so mm. um that's an interesting mm. thought 
I yeah, I do not reject that out of hand. I like that idea. By the way, that guy, the the Goldman Sachs guy from the uh, the first episode, is has uh, plays a major role in On Becoming a God in Central Florida, which is now on Netflix and which I bloody loved. I just want to put a word in for that if anybody hasn't tried it yet. If Loki is behind this, is he King Herodin this whole business and trying to wipe out different Lokis in case that's the Loki that brings him down? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Might be Sylvie, might be our Loki. Uh, and then I wanted you guys to start talking about, uh, just talk just talk about stuff. But uh, Sylvie and Loki, that conversation that they have and, and you know, do they have a shared future? Is there is there a future for the both of them um, where they, you know, are entwined, burdened with glorious purpose? Every time, they, every time they mention that, it reminds me of that joke from Steve Martin's The Jerk, where he discovers his special purpose, which is basically having sex <laughs> and... I wonder if this is Loki's version of it and, you know, basically he's just going to be, you know, they're going to be rutting like stags, the two. See, I feel that there is no future where they are burdened with glorious boning. I just don't see it happening. (laughs) I I, I kind of feel like as much as we'd all like to see that and see those two together, I think at the end, either Sylvie will come to a sticky end, which I hope not. Uh, Not in a good way. I mean, in a bad way. (laughs) Oh, gosh. But I I think it's, it's more likely that for reasons they will have to go to, or they can't exist in the same timeline, or they'll have to go their separate way. So there'll be an emotional moment and then they're torn apart. And then, because Loki yeah. needs to function on his own. Here's here's three words for you. Bad Wolf Bay. Oh, don't, that hurts that's, my heart. That's, that's a possibility. If we go down the Doctor Who playbook, then that is a way of doing it. Oh man. Yeah. Pretend that James and I don't know anything about <laughs> Doctor Who yes. okay. and explain that to us. That is um, a scenario. It's actually similar also to a popular series of children slash young adult novels that I won't list in case it's a spoiler for those. Um, I'm, but Bad, Bad Wolf Bay, I think, has been out long enough that I'm just going to say it. It's, it's basically where two people come together across universes, are in love with each other, but for reasons have to like lock themselves off into their respective realities and mm. can no longer see each other ever again. So it happened with Rose and the Doctor, Rose Tyler and the Doctor, um, the best Doctor, the David Tennant Doctor, um, at Bad Wolf Bay. That was their final goodbye. And until it kind of wasn't anymore. Oh, God. Yeah, that end of series two of Doctor Who is like heartbreaking. It's him on one beach and her on the other beach kind of speaking across universes. And he's going to say, I love you. And then the sort of whatever wall basically closes up and they can't speak to each other or see each other. He was about to say- He was using the power of an entire star- Just to talk just to, to her. Keep, just a collapsing galaxy or something, just to keep that portal open yeah. to say goodbye. Move on the e, we'll <laughs> yeah. So you're saying Kevin Bacon's going to pop up and, and help him at the end. With a giant Rita Ora. <laughs> giant VR Rita Ora. <laughs> I feel like that's the thing that we haven't quite established yet, right? I guess uh, maybe that will be part of the final episode of like, okay, so we've established that there is a sacred timeline that the TVA have been pruning from sort of other realities that are branching out. But if they break this all down, then how does that work? How easily can people hop between these universes? How do you hop between these universes? Do they sit sort of in parallel to each other? Do they? Can you cross timelines? I feel like that's something they might have to kind of address later on and especially if you're going to have characters hopping between things quite how that works you take the train to Charing Cross and you turn and you change there and it's three stops <laughs> it's so wrong that's still maybe there's a variant world where that is how you get to Greenwich who knows <laughs> maybe it is <laughs> that would explain everything okay so let's home stretch this let's talk about some of the easter egg stuff that happened in this episode uh, and there was quite a lot of it although mm. most of it was crammed into the first few minutes it was so what did, what did yeah. you see what did you spot tell so- me the Thanos copter is actually a thing. It's not just the word Thanos in a helicopter. Like he actually does this. It's spider su- Spider Super Stories number thirty nine. Thanos stages a heist to steal the cosmic cube, and he escapes in a bright yellow helicopter with Thanos written on the side. <laughs> He'll never find obviously- him. It's the perfect disguise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's incredibly nondescript. He is a criminal genius. Um, so I, mean, I thought that was very nice. That's like your that favourite, James. Just yeah, saying. That's your favourite. Favorite. That's like the that kind of thing that he does. <laughs> yeah. Get a yellow <laughs> helicopter with his name on it. Yes. So I hope you're I happy. I Was that one. sort of crashed in the floor of the void? Because I, I didn't catch that Thanos copter. Was that in, in the landscape of the void? Yeah, it was at the very beginning yeah. when they've just rescued him. They're walking through the wreckage mm. and you see like the, the end of the Thanos copter sticking out with Thanos written on the tail. Mm. And obviously we see uh, <laughs> Thor, Frog of Thunder, uh, which is lovely. And it's in the little jar. I love that it's in the jar with T365, which is volume one, 
number 365, which is when Loki literally turns Thor into a frog. But it's not like a one-off gag. It becomes a whole thing. Like Thor, Frog of Thunder becomes a whole running character, which is, which is genius. So, yeah, I missed that first time around. And Jane Nielsen actually sent in a question drawing my attention to that. And I'd missed it completely because I was too busy going, oh, look, it's Mjolnir. Oh, that's, that's where it is. Because I'm pretty sure there's a Mjolnir just knocking around somewhere in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that they yeah. haven't accounted for. So maybe that's where it ended up. There's one in the trunk yeah, of yeah. Sam and Dean's car in Supernatural. So. <laughs> All right. But this is the Mjolnir because the uh, boastful Loki is holding something that I thought might be his version of Mjolnir, or mm. maybe it's just a hammer. Uh, maybe he's just, you know, that universe's version of Nick Knowles. But uh, <laughs> the, the that is the Mjolnir, that's Thor Mjolnir. So I was too busy looking at that, and then I missed the little tiny jumping frog uh, knocking around, Aww. which was... Yeah. Did you cool. see the helicarrier and the Stark Tower, mm. both of which are in the sort of broken down ruins, which is nice? Yes. Uh, Stark Tower was in, uh, or Avengers Tower, or whatever it happened, whenever he sold it on. Uh, yeah, that that was the building we saw last week. But the, the this is, yeah, the helicarrier is towards the end when they're walking across mm. the, the yeah. fields. Uh, and of course, the battleship that lands. The USS Eldridge. Yes. Philadelphia Experiment. Precisely, so, which mm. I thought was a really, really funny gag. Also, like, you know the story of that. Like, it's a whole, it's a whole event horizon thing where they were trying to apparently develop some kind of stealth technology for battleships, and it teleported. And when it came back, it was Liberate Tutape ex in fairness. Like, it was properly like supposed to have been bodies everywhere, fused with the bulkheads. Some kind of. I mean, it's obviously nonsense, but uh, I love the idea that this was the kind of like World War Two event horizon, and this is where it went. It ended up in the void. Yeah, being gobbled up by a cloud. Yeah. Not good. Not yeah, good. You can, if, you, if you look really carefully and if you pause it, you can see Sam Neill. <laughs> I love that you said all that like it was history. Yeah, this is history, <laughs> Helen. What are you talking about? I've been speaking oh, okay. to Q and he told me he wouldn't lie. Ah, okay. Someone someone called James Help. <laughs> yeah, help. yeah. It's it's not. I don't think it's an Easter egg in the same way uh, uh, that everything else is. But I uh, I love the Roxy wine that they're drinking when they get to the sort of bowling alley lair <laughs> that they're hiding out in, and they're all, they're drinking Roxy wine. Obviously, another in reference to how powerful Rock's core is in the MCU. And it's it like is by apparently and large from uh, Wally. Wally, but for yes. the MCU, uh, apparently it's an exceptional Pinot Noir. So. Was it just me, or did um, uh, Kid Loki appear to be drinking a juice box in the same he scene? He did. That was adorable. He was. Yes. <laughs> Again, lovely touch. Uh, yeah, I loved all that stuff, all those little Easter eggs. and all The attention to detail here is uh, is tremendous. I also love the um, the fight scene that breaks out. So whenever everyone's mm-hmm. double-crossing each other and boastful Loki double-crosses President Loki, and then President Loki is double-crossed by his own men, and it all kicks off, and... That felt to me, and hopefully we'll be talking to Kate Heron about this uh, when the show is finished. That felt to me like an homage to the Batman TV show, <laughs> because <laughs> suddenly, suddenly, you know, if she had thrown in some pows and saps and whams and bams, I would not have been surprised. Because suddenly it goes a bit Dutch angle. The music becomes a little bit sixties and surf musicy as well, and it's just it's just a, it's a lot of fun because it's a fairly inconsequential battle. It's its only purpose is to get our hero Lokis out into the into the world. But still, a lot of fun. I have to say, that was the one bit of the episode that didn't really work for me. Um, uh, I think because it was going for that tone and it felt kind of quite incongruous to everything else that was happening, that was the moment. It's interesting you say 60s Batman because this show feels so big and expensive and that was the bit for me that felt like a slightly wobbly cardboard wall Doctor Who kind of moment and I, I, I think because we have really great fight scenes in the MCU they clearly weren't going for a kind of big slick punch up but that sort of slightly razzle dazzle pow pow um, fight pow pow <laughs> <laughs> now that would have been great it, yeah it didn't quite connect for me um, I, I found that uh, maybe it would sit differently on a on a rewatch. I don't know about you guys. All right, Ben. Yeah, that's fine. You, you're, just, you're, you're allowed to not like stuff. So but you, <laughs> you liked the birds with the disembodied purple tennis ball heads, oh right? Oh my god, yeah, they were like space peacocks. They were like, what the? Hell? I, I love that they were just there with no explanation. They're like, we're not even going to try and so, sort of say what universe <laughs> these guys come from. Well, why they seem to be thriving uh, in this place? They seem to be. They're living their best life. Are. Yeah, I, I did love kind of biker Loki with his um, handlebar. Horns. Yeah, thought that was clever. That was great. That was really good. You're thinking cool bikers and wondering where one was. I'm not saying cool. I'm like think more like BMX. 
but then with um, you're looking where confused, was that? Chris? He's yeah, in the, one the of the Lokis. Yeah, one he's right has, behind. He has like bicycle handlebars as helmets yeah. on his on his head. Oh, hang on. Were they all meant to be Lokis? Some. I don't think all of them were supposed to be, but I think there were a couple scattered around. I think, I Unless think the ones he was with supposed to be a Loki fan and he was yeah. like, you know, wearing it in tribute. I don't know. But they, oh. they seem to be like, you know, the cannibal bikers. But oh. uh, I did. I noticed the handlebars and that's what made me think. I thought, oh, are these supposed to be Lokis or is it just one or two? Or what? They I all had know. some kind of horns on their head. So I just assumed all Lokis. I mean, perhaps, you know, Unless I'm just inured at this point and mm. I assume all of you are Lokis as well. So. <laughs> I am. Mm. Yes, James has really gone deep undercover by shaving off his long, dark hair. I've shaved off my <laughs> horns. <laughs> like Hellboy. Just yes. grind them down every morning. And I've gone undercover by not betraying anybody yet. Watch oh, out, everyone. Yeah. Absolutely Watch child out. Loki. <laughs> I do like a juice box, so. <laughs> we'll put you over our knee when we're back in the office, Ben. Steady. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously with an HR representative present. Not better. No, still not into it. Yeah. I'll spank the fuck out of them as well. Uh, I'll spank anything <laughs> that moves. Anyway. <laughs> Why is this happening? <laughs> <That's> pretty- <laughs> They've been very naughty. Uh, let's bring this home. Let's bring this home and talk about what we think is going to happen next. So we have one more episode to go. We've obviously mentioned some theories and some predictions, but there's still a lot of unanswered questions. I wrote down a couple. Who is the other analyst working for Renslayer? What is Renslayer actually up to? How much does she know? Is it coming home? Is C20 actually dead? Who are the timekeepers? Will the TVA be reset or brought down? Will Loki sacrifice himself again to save the people he loves? Will Mobius ride a jet ski? Will Reed Richards and Mephisto team up to free the X-Men from the multiverse? <laughs> Which questions do you think will be answered next week? What is your theory or theories? You know, Helen obviously thinks that Reg is going to come back. Well, if not Reg, then a Loki as the Aloki. big bad for the reasons yeah. I've given Reg. Mm, yeah. That wouldn't shock me if it was another variant. Though actually, if it was, I might be a little bit disappointed because I kind of feel like Sylvie to me is the ultimate variant. And I'm not quite sure how I feel about another than bringing in another one. But you could be right. It could work. I do think that's the last we've seen of Reg. I also love the fact that not only did he sacrifice himself, but he recreated Asgard. We got to see Asgard mm. again. And I thought that was a lovely touch. Yeah. It was a lovely touch as well because it's what was important to him. Exactly. And so he, he recreated the thing that was yes, closest thing to his he heart. Loves, the, things, the thing he lost. Uh, yeah. And I thought that was nice. And that tells you quite a little bit about Loki as well. I miss Asgard. I feel like we didn't spend as much time in Asgard as we could have in the MCU. It's just a cool place. So it makes me sad yeah. that it's destroyed. It's been nice to see it in yeah, flashback. It's gone and because there was no one there to protect it, was there, Chris? <laughs> oh, God. Here we go. There was no one to protect Asgard. We was supposed to help us. <laughs> oh, God. You were supposed to protect Asgard. Where's the handle? Help me find the handle. Oh, God. I didn't actually know what you were talking about there for a second. I, had to... I know. That was quite the obvious stage direction. You should have missed this cue. Chris, yes. there was yes. no one there to protect Asgard. If only he had got a handle on the situation. Where could it be? <laughs> I seem to have misplaced it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you a little bit there. But, you know, uh, you know Asgard's quite small. Uh, it's basically the size of Hemel Hempstead, as far as I can tell. So it's, it seems to be fairly easy to rebuild. It only yeah. has a population of 9,000. As I've said before, my hometown is bigger than that. Mm. The qu- question that's kind of lingering with me and that I, I'm not convinced by at the moment is uh, that whole thing of, oh, we've talked about where babies come from. <laughs> no, I, I know that now, Chris. <laughs> you've explained it many times in graphic detail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when a Funko Pop loves another Funko Pop. Very much. Get the HR wow. representative. <laughs> Chris won't spank no, you this don't. time. He can't be trusted. I'll bobble their heads. Anyway, Ben, yes, carry on. All of the stuff in this episode that was like, oh, Renslayer just wants to know who's behind this too. I'm like, does she though? Does she? <laughs> I know that's <laughs> absolute bullshit. Um, and I don't know if the episode was trying to make us think that. And I wasn't convinced. Yeah. So you still think it's her? I, I still think she knows more. And that she is just trying to do her job because she's terrified of whoever is the king in the castle or maybe the Kang in the castle. Oh, wordplay! Yeah, wordplay! I'm not sure Love she does it. know though, because she was, you yeah. know, she regularly went in and reported to these stupid dummy Madame Tussauds robots. She must feel like so, such an uh, idiot. I think she's in the dark. <laughs> yeah. 
So maybe she, you know, as as B15 points out, where B15 makes a bit of a leap, which is like, oh, you actually, you do want to know who is behind this as well. Uh, but B15 points out that you only want to know. She needs to know. Mm. So Sylvie mm. will get to the bottom of this. And, and, and Loki, in a way, is along for a ride. As Sylvie said, it's not about you. Sorry, he's along for a ride. Oh, dear. Oh, my God. Well, that's the end game, isn't it? Oh, no. Anyway. I- this is filth, but um, I do think that Renslayer is, she's curious for sure, but uh, we, we shall see where that goes next week. I have a quick theory. I wonder if the people who made the Timekeeper's animatronics are variants of Walt Disney Imagineers. They're very skilled at doing <laughs> those things. Yes, but certainly an option. It's certainly a theory. Uh, so our theories for next week's grand finale, the big unmasking, uh, Kang the Conqueror. We've talked about him a lot, but this would be a big one. We've had people introduced in these shows, specifically WandaVision and Monica Rambeau, who will go on to play a big part in the movies going forward. But dropping Kang the Conqueror here would be, again, a big statement of intent, I think, and would really set up Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Because that's the one we're all excited about. It would make you excited, wouldn't it? Maybe. Yeah, see, I thought maybe they wouldn't do that because they wouldn't want to sort of, like, drop the big reveal early on. But then, you know, Thanos, the greatest movie character of all time, was, of course, <laughs> trailed in post credit stings. And so this is this could be that sort of thing, like a post credit sting, but now it's a, it's a TV sting. I could, I could yeah. be on board with yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say exactly the same thing. It's not like they made a massive deal of Thanos from the beginning. I remember being sat... I know, and you looked fucking dreadful yeah, when you I, first I remember it, being so. like, uh, somebody who wasn't as dialed in all of this stuff. I was one of those people going, who is that? I was I mean, I wasn't one no. of those people going, is that Hellboy? Because I, I know better than that. No, I was, I was in the multimedia screen. The guy in front of me went, it's Hellboy! It's, no, it really isn't. That's Dark Horse Comics. What are you talking about? But they, they didn't make a big deal of Thanos basi- basically until Infinity War. When it was just like, okay, now we're going to dedicate an entire movie to this guy so that you know what he's about and that you know why he's such a big threat. So I feel like they could introduce Kang here, but then effectively reintroduce him in the movies and the people who have seen this show, which, let's face it, it's going to be a lot of people. Like, this has been a massive, massive hit for them. It sounds like it's their biggest show yet on Disney+. Plus. So they have a huge amount of eyeballs on this anyway, and they can easily just sort of do something cool with him in Quantumanium or wherever he kind of ends up appearing elsewhere and just be like, oh no, he killed that person. He's obviously a big bad guy. (laughs) I hope this dialogue. (laughs) Hey, I'm here. Marcus McFeely, hit me up. I can join the team. Marcus McFeely, Travis would be great. Yeah. I, it's it's possible. I, I feel like that might feel rushed at this point with only sort of 45, 50 minutes left. And and if you're putting him in a post-credit sting, kind of why are you bothering almost? But it'd be, it could be cool. You could have a little just teaser of his look with Renslayer, for example. Or maybe he won't be in the end of episode six sting, but then mm. six months later, they will change the sting and add a shadow of him into it to sort of, you know, a literal <laughs> foreshadow as they have done in the past. Sure. Yes, that's possible. <laughs> but no, I, I'm, I'm sticking to my it's a Loki problem. I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense. But uh, maybe a Loki working in conjunction with Kang? Maybe. Loki working for someone. With, mm. not for, with. And he mm. was working for slash with Thanos yeah. in Avengers. Assistant to the regional manager. Mm. He, he, but he <laughs> was assistant to the regional manager that was Thanos in Avengers. So he, he has been known to kind of work for slash with for his own gain. Uh, crazy alien despots. But, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before, but that seemed not entirely, entirely voluntary. And I feel like a, a long-term collaboration with Kang is, is probably unlikely. Do you think we'll find out who the other analyst working for Renslayer is? Or do you think you'll find out it was loads of Mobiuses and, you know, what's Mobius going to do next week? I, I'm really looking forward to it. How the fuck are they going to get him on a jet ski? I have no idea. I think it's going to be a bureaucratic civil war, but like with, you know, filing cabinets. What, like lots of furious scribbling and filing? No, I feel like there's going to be a divide right down the middle of the TVA and there's going to be, I think actually a lot of the kind of clerks and people probably more likely to be on Mobius' side for some reason. I don't know why I think that, but I do. And them taking on Renslayer's troops, essentially, and and taking them down. I think it gets properly R-rated and Mobius strips. (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Do you think he teams up with Vince Vaughn and his TVA crashers? Yes. <laughs> is, that what it is? is that what it is? I think we're going to see many Mobii, and one of them, it's not that one of them's going to be riding a jet ski, one of them is a jet ski. <laughs> <laughs> like from, from the, the Cars universe, universe. <laughs> where obviously there is also one who is Lightning McQueen. Oh <laughs> my God. Fits. You've just sold me. So, very last question is, uh, do you think there'll be any unexpected cameos? Lady Sif was in last week's episode. Again, I, as I've said before, I don't think that a Hemsworth is going to, well, maybe look, uh, is going to come and appear in this episode or the final episode. But is there anyone else? Do you think we might get someone else, a big name? Were you thinking like a Rene Russo or somebody? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. It's interesting that Heimdall didn't see any of this going on, isn't it? Yeah. He misses a lot. He should go to Specsavers. Okay. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think there will probably will be some kind of cameo of. I was going to say, it seems likely given these shows so far, but actually, it doesn't really necessarily. I. I don't know. I don't think it'll be a, ca- a sort of big name newcomer as the big bad. I do think there might be a post-credit sting of some sort. Maybe something Eternalsy, seeing as this is like end of time, and they seem to be mega mm. time spanning celestial things. How about though? It could be something like Ms. Marvel. That um, would be Kid cool. Loki and Ms. Marvel have a bit of a history of bumping into each other, so that could be fun. Mm. Okay. Mm. Wow. All will be revealed, although not Mobius's strip, uh, in next week's episode. Uh, this has been the shortest episode yet. That is mainly Helen's fault, but I'm also going to take a little bit of the blame for that. Uh, so, and James, frankly, should take some of the blame as well because you were at least ten minutes late. Uh, so I don't know what the hell you were doing, uh, but we will make it up to you. And believe me, folks, we are going to make it up to you over the next couple of weeks. There's going to be all sorts of post Loki content mm. coming your way. Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, but we'll also do a special questions-only show, which will be up in the next couple of days. Won't be, t- won't be too long, 20, 30 minutes, something like that. But hopefully that will scratch the, the itch that is uh, been, has been left by a show that is barely an hour long. What the hell are we doing, folks? What the hell are we doing? Is it, anyway. is it us being rational and speaking for about as long as the show is? Is that what, what we're doing? Helen, are you insane? No, sorry, Perhaps silly. you're the one behind all this. <gasps> it makes so much sense I now. I do have long, dark hair. Oh, you do. You are the Loki variant. Wow. Ah! Wow. Anyway. Anyway, that's it. That's it for this week's Loki Spoiler Special. Join us next time for more spoiler-related fun. Uh, Until then, it is goodbye from my three colleagues of such lethal cunning squad cast names, Ben Slayer, Ben Travis. I just want to know who's behind the TVA. That's all I want to know. Like Renslayer. That's what she wants, you know? Like, yeah. Okay. Oh, I see what you mean. Yes, I see what you mean. It is goodbye from Thanos Copter himself, James Dyer. Ah, goodbye. I look forward to next week's underwater episode where Loki will be burdened with glorious porpoise. <laughs> Why do we invite him? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> uh, it is goodbye from Pizza Car. Helen O'Hara. <laughs> Toodaloo. I was genuinely trying to think of a pun on burden there and you know, unless there's a kind of fight club Tyler Durdened with Glorious Purpose, that's all I got. So That's all you got. That's it. Probably just uh, as well. And it, and it is goodbye for me. Hot dog, tiny Thor frog, Albuquerque. Join in, everybody. Hot dog, no. tiny Thor frog, Albuquerque. No? Okay. I'm off to drink a big old glass of Roxy wine and get totally and utterly hammered. Okay, it's a, it's a, it's a juice box. (laughs) Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.